Hello, gorgeous friends. Welcome to the Embracing Enough podcast. You know, I've always said that one thing is for sure, and that's that women and girls have some incredible stories to tell. And that's what we do here. We share our stories in the hopes that we'll allow others to feel seen, heard, and hopefully less alone. This is your host, Dina Skippa, founder of Enough Labs, and I am so excited that you're here. And this is our third season. You know, when I started out this podcasting journey, I had no idea where it was going to go. But here we are, having some much-needed conversations around our enoughness, our confidence, and how to own our truth. This season, we're coming together to acknowledge what we've been through and to own the story powerfully without shame and declare that we want more for ourselves. So if you're just joining, welcome. And here's some deets about me. I'm an empowerment coach and a confidence coach, a motivational speaker, a gender equality advocate, and a goal-crushing boss. I love all things dance and even more things travel. I love to laugh, and I've realized that I have a very low tolerance for surface conversation. So it's going to get real over here. But the hope is that you always walk away with something to help you on your journey. And listen... I've been on my own journey in embracing my enoughness for a very long time. I've had to unlearn the toxic narratives that have taught me to abandon myself for far too long. And my obsession with unlearning, well, we're going to be focused on that in season three. And it comes from a desire to connect with you in a deeper, more honest way. To reclaim the fire that we know is living inside of each of us, rather than hyper-focusing on the things within ourselves that we're told we need to fix. Each week, either myself or another incredible guest will will be dropping gems on all things confidence, empowered action, and what we've been consciously unlearning to show up as our fullest selves. The goal is to create space for meaningful, authentic conversation, all while embodying the essence of joy, abundance, and permission every step of the way, and to help you align even closer with your truth. Consider me your personal coach throughout these episodes, your confidant, your ally, and most importantly, your sister friend. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, gorgeous people. It is your girl, Dina, and we are back with another episode of Embracing Enough, the podcast brought to you by Enough Labs. And let me tell you, I have been deep in my journey of embracing my own enoughness over the past couple of weeks. Yes, honey, I am here doing the work too. Hence why it's been some time since I've released a podcast episode here. You know, I've told myself over and over that when things feel like I'm trying to force them, best to not push. And that includes this podcast. I had to allow myself to feel all of the crazy emotions I was feeling over the last few weeks as part of my process. And it's more than okay. I encourage you listening to give yourself that permission too. If something feels forced, maybe take a step back and ask yourself why. Why is something that typically comes naturally feel like effort in this moment. I know when I do, clarity emerges. 
because everything happens in the most perfect timing. I don't have to worry about being late. I don't have to worry about anything not working out because I'm not doing what I think I should be doing. I can't force it. So here I am, ready to engage, ready to tell you this kind of funny, interesting, crazy story that started a few weeks ago. What a ride. You know, the last few weeks had me going deep into the stories that I've been telling myself for a long time. And the work that I've been doing, which I'll get into in a second, has me realizing how much of a stage nine clinger I've been with my stories. Now, typically I might get upset with myself or feel like all of these revelations that I was having, they would drag me down. But I gave myself instead the space to uncover what's been underneath these stories and what's had me realizing that there is no alternative but to unlearn them. All right, so let's get into it. So I've been on a very real <laughs> journey, both physically and emotionally, and I'm thinking uh, a lot of you listening can, can probably relate. So let's talk about where this journey began. About three weeks ago, I was gearing up for this getaway to Sedona. See. Back in February, I booked myself in for this four-day retreat with this organization called Sedona Soul Adventure. I had a chance to experience their work when I was in Sedona back in January as part of this mastermind group I'm a part of. And I got pulled out of the audience to do this demonstration of this exercise. And not gonna lie, it was a little embarrassing. <laughs> I'm in front of a group of like 50 women just pulling out all of these memories and processing them in front of a group of 50 women. <laughs> and I got emotional, but I felt like I was called out of that audience for a reason. I was asked to have that demonstration be made on me to help others in the room, but it also it was definitely there to help me. And so something had me book a call to learn more about their curated packages that you know would work with healers. And after the call, something just tugged at me saying, you gotta do this. Listen, Sedona is magical. If you have never been, and this isn't the first time you're hearing about it, consider this a sign. It is one of the most special places I have ever visited. And it attracts some of the most incredible healers and energy workers from around the world. There's like this indescribable force there that just like tugs at you. And then it has you in such, a, such an amazing state of peace at the same time. It's, it's hard to describe. Like, so just go there if it calls to you, okay? And you know, what's, what's crazy is that, truth be told, I've never been the outdoorsy, adventurous type. Give me a swanky cocktail in an even swankier hotel and your girl is happy. <laughs> but 
something about Sedona makes me want to chuck the heels for some hiking boots. There's something that just feels so free for me there. And it's in a way that all I want to do is <laughs> make my own trail mix and be in the mountains at sunrise. I can't explain it. It just feels right, though. It's crazy because I think back to the very first time I went to Sedona and it was actually 2007 and I compare what I was feeling back then to myself today. That trip to Sedona back in 2007 was this spontaneous day trip from Scottsdale just like an hour outside of Sedona and I was there actually doing an orientation before heading out to my first international assignment in Djibouti. And one of the volunteers who was at the orientation who was actually traveling to Ethiopia was this woman who was really deep into spiritual practice and healing work of which I knew nothing about at the time and could definitely not even begin to appreciate. You see, I was so blocked in my goal obsession at the time that I couldn't hold space for anything of what I couldn't completely understand. And a lot of what spiritual practice requires of you is to trust the very thing that you've been given since you took your first breath. And that's your intuition. Now fast forward 16 years later, holy shit, and there I am sitting on Cathedral Rock in Sedona, meditating for two hours, thinking, who am I? But this is the closest to the real me that I've felt in my entire life. Sitting on a mountain, looking out into the vastness of this crazy vortex, working with healing practitioners who specialize in Reiki and breath work, and looking deeply within instead of out, which I've typically done. Relying on my intuition in ways that I can't fully explain to anyone, but I know it to be true. So this four-day retreat, this week away, was by far one of the best investments in my healing and consequently one of the hardest. I mean, I won't lie, the last few months have been tough, both personally and professionally. And while I can celebrate all day long about everything that's going right and all of the ways in which I've taken control of standing up for myself and making my dreams come true and launching my own coaching practice. These past few months have also been filled with anxiety and uncertainty and stress and unfortunately a lot of tears. Now, your girl fully recognizes <laughs> that she puts an enormous amount of pressure on herself. At times this crazy journey of juggling my full-time job, my coaching practice, and everything in between has had me reach a boiling point. This expectation to keep forging ahead, be creative, getting in front of people with this mission, pushing through the fear of rejection over and over and over to arrive at just one yes, all the while trying to manage my own personal stuff, my time, my health, my emotions. It's all been a bit, well, stifling. So I knew I needed to reset. And what's funny is that I booked this trip even before things had reached that boiling point. To say I was grateful for the most perfect, most 
necessary time for this trip would be an understatement. But Sedona and this permission that I gave myself to retreat and to experience something transformative, it set me on a new path. Hell, we're in a whole new chapter, okay? <laughs> and it's funny because leading up to the trip, I definitely had some second guessing going on. I kept looking at the agenda in weeks prior, wondering what the hell is this experience gonna teach me, show me, reveal to me? You know, I looked at it and I was like, all right, one day is something called breath work. Another is this intuitive massage to remove emotional blockages. Another session had something to do with discovering the goddess within on the land. I'm like, uh, can I get a description? Can I know exactly what we're doing here? I won't lie. I had a moment where I said to myself, what have I gotten myself into? And what's more is that I heard this pretty loud story playing out in my mind like, all right, Dina, here we go again. But is this even going to work for you? Because that's the thing, right? I've always subscribed to a story that things work out for other people, but certainly not me. And it's hard to unlearn these types of stories, especially when you've spent your entire life collecting evidence in support of them. But something told me that I had to trust the thing in my gut that had pushed me to go all in on this experience in the first place and not sit here and second guess every single aspect of it. So there I was, I make my way to Sedona. <laughs> the trek, and it was a trek, my friends, it took over 10 hours in total between the airports, the layovers, getting the rental car, and arriving to the Airbnb. Ooh, and let me tell you the craziest thing that happened on the drive from Phoenix to Sedona, okay? I'm in my rental car, and it's late, right? I've got the music blaring in an attempt to stay awake because I'm tired and I just want to get there and get settled. I'm flying down the highway at like 1130 at night and driving entirely too fast for my own good. I've got the high beams on it and in the distance, I see this huge elk. I am terrified, immediately freaking out, thinking, oh my God, what is going to happen? What if it darts out into the highway? What if it kills me? Holy shit, all the questions. And then I got calm, obviously grateful that nothing happened. And then I started to think in all of the ways that could have stopped me from making my way to Sedona. And then I see this elk just standing there. It was like it was waiting for me. I'm like, is there some kind of message here? You know, I dabble in all of this spiritual work. I am by no means any kind of expert, but I'm super curious. And I always feel like there's this like sort of nagging intuitive feeling that there's something deeper there that, that would have me in search of an answer. So I finally get to my Airbnb, I settle in and I get out my phone before I go to bed because I have this you know, big day the next day, I need to get some rest, but I, I, I was just so freaking curious about whether there is some kind of spiritual significance of the elk. So first of all, do you know that elk encounters and sightings are super rare? <laughs> I asked and I did my research. So I think to myself, clearly there must be a message as I see this elk like 
just several miles before I actually hit the Sedona limits. So let me tell you what I found out, okay? The elk represents dignity, power, inner strength, and passion. People say that if you experience an elk sighting, it's a message to stay steady on your current course. An elk sighting is also this reminder to be diligent and see things through. Whew. They say that if you do, you will earn the respect of others for standing your ground. And the elk represents and teaches pride, strength, stamina, and agility, symbolizing that it's time to take the next step in life and do it with courage. Well, message received, loudly. But here's the thing. It's hard to be diligent and see things through when you've been attached to a story that has you questioning, who do you think you are every step of the way? People think you're crazy. They think you're over the top. People don't care. How can you be confident in taking the next step when there's been a story that's been on repeat telling you, gah, you're being too much. Are you sure this is the right decision to make? This may not even work out. Are you sure you wanna put in all of this effort? Maybe this sounds familiar to you. These are the questions that go on in my brain. And I know for a fact that these are the stories playing out in the minds of so many women. I know because they tell me. I'm not making this up. And these stories, they all contribute to these mounting levels of anxiety and uncertainty, stress, and the range of emotional roller coaster moments. And what's even more true is that the stories that we've been playing on repeat in our minds, well, a lot of them originated in childhood. Yeah. <laughs> so I could literally talk your ear off about all of the stories that I was processing while in Sedona, but we all have lives here. So I wanted to just share one in particular, and it came up in my very first session of the week. So I had no idea what to expect. I take my rental car and show up at my first healing session with Rick, who is my sort of spiritual guide throughout this process. And I'm sitting in his home office, which just feels unequivocally him. Now, I, I don't know this man very well. I've only had a couple of conversations with him. But there's a calmness in his office that feels like it is completely aligned with his whole presence. He's someone that makes you feel like he's been this longtime friend of yours that you're just coming to visit with. And we walk through his little garden with this adorable koi pond. And I was like, God, people are so lucky who live here. And so I pour myself some tea to calm my nerves. We settle in for the session. And he starts by asking me to share one of my earliest memories where I could recall feeling like I learned that it wasn't safe to be myself. And I'm like, okay, Rick, we're diving right in, aren't we? Okay. So I closed my eyes and felt like I was scanning through literally thousands of memories. And I, something tugs at me, like I land on one. And then I'm like, God, is this like the right story to share? Or does it feel like too insignificant? I don't know what to do. Nah, just go with it. So I did. I close my eyes and I share with Rick this, what feels like this seemingly insignificant story. I tell him that I'm nine years old 
sitting at this massive kitchen table that we have in our house. And my mom had just made dinner for my brother, my sister, and I. And I remember she was in the kitchen, like cleaning up and tinkering around while we were eating. And she had just made us our favorite meal, this barbecue chicken, rice, and corn. She just had this way of preparing it that it made it feel like the most delicious thing I had ever tasted. And I can remember myself sitting at the table, I still remember where I was sitting, eating that chicken and looking at my mom. And I was wondering why she wasn't sitting with us. I was wondering what she was feeling. And I was also feeling super excited for this delicious meal, just, just happy in that moment. I mean, let's be honest, food has always made me happy. <laughs> So I'm eating the meal and I cry out halfway through and I'm like, man, this chicken's so good. I think I'll have a third piece. And almost instantly, my mom shoots me this look that I immediately interpret was a hard and fast, don't you even dare, absolutely not. Instant shame. In that moment, I was reacting from a place where I was trying to read so many things filtered through my nine-year-old empathetic brain. Now, not only was I expressing a desire for more, but I was also looking to connect with my mom in order to validate her for all that she did for us. I watched her for years not being acknowledged by my dad or others around her. So on some level, me complimenting how good the food was, was me trying to reassure her. But in that moment, I instantly felt that no matter what I said or what I was feeling or what I was craving, it was wrong. Not only was it wrong, but I would be shamed for it. So when you feel like nothing you ever do or say is right, the next thing that comes is that you immediately realize that it's not safe to be who you are or to trust what you truly want, to express what you truly crave, which in turn translates to it's not safe to be who you truly are at your core. Listen, my mom was doing the very best she could. At nine years old, I had no clue about the depth of things that she was battling in her own mind and even her own marriage and as a result every action that she took was her doing her very best to protect me and my siblings in the only way that she knew how so i'm sitting across from rick as we unpack this tiny memory and i look and i'm realizing how profound the stories that are associated with this moment and other moments like it that have framed the backdrop to so much of my deeply rooted insecurities. And through these sections, through these sessions, I'm taking this like really deep look at my inner child, seeing how these childhood wounds are still affecting me today as an adult. I realize that the stories that I've been telling myself that have originated in childhood, half the time haven't even been mine. Now, take the barbecue chicken scene for a second. I had created a story in my mind from that interaction that said I was wrong for wanting more. But was that my insecurity? Was it truth? Or was it a story that my mom had subscribed to? A story that somewhere, somehow she had learned that it wasn't safe for her to express that what she had 
wasn't enough for her in her marriage or in her friendships or in her own relationship with her body and food. I don't know. And were those stories that my mom had subscribed to, were they even hers? Or were they passed down to her by her mother, my grandmother? And then who told my grandmother that it was ridiculous to express that you wanted more than what life had already offered you? How dare you be gluttonous or want more when there was so little to go around? You see, the, the cycle continues. You see what I'm saying? These stories that we've subscribed to for years were never really ours to begin with. They're passed down from generation to generation. And yet we don't even begin to scratch the surface as to how they've come to pass or how ingrained they are in us and the generations before us. These stories that I picked up that told me it wasn't safe to be who I truly am, that I could never do or say the right thing, and that consequently I wasn't deserving of good things to happen. These stories were being reinforced over and over everywhere I looked throughout childhood, and, and it was confusing. But something sort of always tugged at me, telling me these stories were never mine. I don't know, there was like this little voice I wonder if you've ever paid attention to that little voice inside of you, the one that might remind you of your younger self. No matter how old we get, we carry our younger selves within us day to day. Perhaps it's our nine-year-old hurt self that shows up when we're rejected by a close friend or our misunderstood 15-year-old self that comes out when a colleague doesn't see eye to eye. Caring for this younger version of ourselves, it's what inner child work is all about. And it has everything to do with breaking down the patterns and the stories that we're telling ourselves. You see, when you tend to your inner child work, it's a way of addressing those needs that haven't been met as children. And you heal those attachment wounds that have been developed over the years. Listen, we all have a younger part of ourselves. I don't care what you want to tell me but there there is this younger part of ourselves that was never quite loved the right way or the way that we needed as a child so it is absolutely necessary to create a space where your subconscious is allowed to take the lead and a lot of what i did in sedona was allow myself the space to go inside myself to explore my true feelings and examine those parts of myself, a lot of those parts that were formed in childhood that may have felt rejected, re like rejected or labeled as inappropriate or too much by others. When you allow yourself the time to go within, you begin peeling back and and dissecting those everyday coping mechanisms like being avoidant or numbing out your feelings, etc. Like, but you're able to fully accept and integrate your subconscious into consciousness. You know, going back into past memories as a childhood, as a as a child, I I understood how freaking impressionable kids are. Like I always knew, right? But something about this time had me feel it on a whole other level. We absorb everything in our environments and what our caretakers teach us and treat us. 
And a wound formed in childhood typically comes from some sort of rupture that feels like it went without repair. Like when we're crying out for help, but feel like we're unheard. And then you go on to experience some similar rupture in your life as an adult. Someone forgets to call you back after you've said you needed someone to talk to, or a boss tells you you're being overly dramatic for making a request. And how we internalize these ruptures as adults determines if the experience stays a wound or if it becomes processed right then and there. As adults, we have a chance to heal our wounded inner child and create that safe, secure inner and outer environment that our younger selves always wanted. But as adults, oftentimes we walk around carrying these wounds from childhood, whether it's simple or complex trauma from emotional neglect or physical abuse. I mean, many adults feel like they're alone with these hurts and feelings. And so they cover them up because they feel like that's what other grown-ups do, right? Again, I know this because women are telling me over and over that they feel so alone in their experience like no one will understand them i get it it's why whatever form of inner child healing that feels right for you it's so important because it reminds ourselves that we're not wrong or bad to heal the shame that comes with just having feelings I feel like what Sedona taught me was that by healing our inner child, we can begin to create the safety and security that our younger selves needed. And by doing so, those positive traits <laughs> that lie within our inner child, they have room to shine. We unlock our natural gifts, our inner curiosity, our limitless capacity to love. I have this picture framed on my desk of what I feel like my inner child looks like. She's got this horrible 1980s mullet cut, but she has red pants and this, you know, colorful shirt with some kind of like, I think handmade necklace on. And she just looks so happy. She looks so happy. And she's curious and vivacious and creative. And I don't know about you, but whenever I think about my inner child or I think to look at that picture on my desk, I start to think that she deserves way more attention than what I've been giving her. Because somehow along the way, that curious, vivacious, thoughtful nine-year-old, she grew up to be so goddamn scared to be herself because she saw it as either unsafe or wrong. So taking cues from others, she got in line and tried to be and act like everyone else. And that carried forward into adulthood until she reached a boiling point. And maybe this sounds like you, where you're asking yourself, this isn't even me. What do I really want? And who do I need to be in order to secure that? I thought for a long time that the way to care for myself was to go outside of myself, 
overextending and overworking. I mean, hell, it, it sure did impress a lot of people. But my inner child and the stories that were formed in those early years, they get to be addressed, unpacked, healed, understood, and, and tended to with love and compassion. You can't just gloss over it and bury yourself in this fervent chase of accomplishment and drive. I get it. These past hurts can make us feel alone. And the more alone we feel, those emotions can transform into behaviors that are not only destructive to ourselves, but also to our environment. It's crazy to really sit with it. To sit with the needs that your inner child is expressing. <laughs> but when we heal those wounds formed in childhood, when we tend to those desires of our inner child, I feel like we are literally healing generations. We have more information at our disposal today than our mothers or grandmothers or great-grandmothers or great-great-grandmothers could have ever dreamed of having. And then I think about what that does for future generations. For my niece, Sophia. For generations of women to come. The more I allow myself to be with that adorable, innocent, deserving, curious, infectiously happy version of myself, I feel like the truest version of myself comes alive. I give myself permission to reject all of the ways that society has told me to be that feels completely misaligned with who I know I am and the woman that I'm becoming. So my message to you this week is to take the time to look at the stories that you've been telling yourself that may have originated in childhood, that may have been passed down from generations that you've never actually sat still enough and question, these stories aren't even mine because it's time to break up with those patterns and let yourself be free to connect with the truest version of you. You deserve it. Until next time, friends. Bye. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there, so the fact that you check in with this conversation means the absolute world to me. So I hope that you will join us each week, every Thursday, when a new episode drops, because really, we're just here having a conversation, looking for new ways to test out how to show up as our confident, badass selves. Because when you think about it, it's all one big experiment, right? Your life can be the lab. You get to find your answer and what feels good for you. If you walk away from this podcast with one thing, let it be you feeling inspired. Inspired to take bold, empowered action on the things that really matter to you. So check the show notes and learn how you can stay more connected with all of the exciting things that Enough Labs is doing. And be sure to rate and review this podcast. You know I live for feedback. 
because this podcast is just one of the many experiments that I am having a blast trying out with. And I'm just here to continue to remind you every week to never stop embracing how enough you already are. Thank you.